0: Before I get started, I just want to say what a great time we've had here, uh, David and I. Uh, David and I work with Sovereign Grace Music, uh, along with a few other folks, and our our goal is to produce Christ-exalting songs and training for the church from our local churches. And uh, David's been on staff for two years. About but yeah, just as a dear friend and uh, to do this with him is a pure joy. One thing I wanted to comment on is the degree of uh, gospel-driven serving that we've experienced here. Uh, Rebs, you mentioned Rebs earlier, but Riley would be an example of this, Maddie, Henry and lana um, Multiple People in uh, pretty much everyone we know in the church has at some point asked us, Can we serve you? Can we serve you? Can we serve you? And um, uh, a, a thanking Rebs uh, yesterday or sometimes she said, oh, Well, we learned that from you. And I'm thinking, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't learn it from me. I think this is so amazing. But it, it is such an evidence of the, uh, the fruit of the gospel in this church and again if you're new that's what this church is about we we don't think that we are amazing people we think we have an amazing savior and he came for lost and broken and confused and rebellious people and we are among those if you count yourself among those then Jesus can save you Um, and if not then you need to, to realize who you really are but anyway, we just want to thank you, and it's a pure joy to be with you. We feel very much at home. I miss um, the only other place I'd rather be, we'd rather be, is with our wives. and with our churches, uh, church, but we don't meet until, you know, another 15 hours or something. So I can yeah, I can imagine that I'm there there tomorrow. Anyway, when we pray for you, uh, as I often do um, You've already had your meeting, so it's maybe I should just pray for the next Sunday yeah. be, Anyway, if you'd open your Bibles to Colossians 3 and verses, uh, Yeah, we're going to go to Colossians 3 uh, The church is in a series on sanctifying the ordinary And we were talking about what I would share uh, from God's Word this morning um, We came up with the uh, topic of singing Singing is pretty ordinary Everybody likes to sing uh, you don't have to be a very observant person to realize that. Thank you, Joel. Rebs and Joel and others have been serving me with Earl Grey tea throughout the week. I have probably drunk more Earl Grey tea this week than in my uh, any month, I'm sure, at home. Maybe not. I drink a lot. Um, so, yeah, we like to sing. You just see it everywhere. Birthdays, I, I found out you sing happy birthday the same way we do, except you add hip, hip, hooray at the end. Um, <laughs> People sing at weddings, people sing at funerals, uh, sporting events, you know, they'll just break out into song, uh, in, in pubs, in choirs. We went to see uh, The Sound of Music last night, which was, I told someone, really, it was a lifetime high experience f- for high school. <laughs> then I had to qualify it. Uh, but it was extraordinary. Uh, but then I, I was thinking, wow, we, we all come, you know, heard some people come to just hear people talk and sing sing, and at the end, the hills are all, everybody's Edelweiss, we just, there's something in us that loves to sing, but we don't even have to do it with groups. Some people sing in the shower, they sing in the car, uh, we just sing. So it's very ordinary practice, but Christians especially like to sing, whether it's in a big group or a small group, whether it's planned or spontaneous, together or alone, we're, we're singing. So what we want to look at this morning is to better understand from God's Word why He wants us to sing. You guys sing, by the way. <laughs> you, as, I wonder, should is this the message I should preach? They seem to do this really well. <laughs> but we'll see. Because the church singing together is different from any kind of singing that anybody else does. Yeah. It's different. Now, you don't have to be an expert in music to know your opinions about music. You look straight at me. Yeah, I do. Well, <laughs> the reason for that. I got a piano degree uh, in performance, piano performance degree. That's what I majored in. I spent four years practicing an average of four hours a day so that I could play the piano. But I have people who haven't had a stitch of musical education come up and tell me, like, I don't like what you played. Whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. I have a degree. I don't care. I don't like what you play. <laughs> you, you don't have to have a degree to know what you like. And sometimes we bring those preferences into our, the church. And we like certain kinds of songs. We like fast songs. We like slow songs. We like kind of moody songs, vibey songs. We like songs by this certain artist. We like high songs, low songs. Uh, and, and we think that, you know, that's the most important thing. What kind of singing I like. question I want to ask this morning is what kind of singing does God like? Yeah. What what kind of singing does God like? Thank you for responding. I this is a this is I am preaching the word of God, but sometimes just a little comment lets us know that okay he's getting it, that's good. But don't overdo it. <laughs> I I don't want to encourage you to. I don't know. Anyway, no, it is it's 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 a it's uh, something we easily fall into thinking, yeah, I know why we sing. We sing uh, Christians sing, that's just what they do. And it's a little deeper than that. And that's what we're going to look at God's Word this morning to find out more about, rather than answering the question, why do we sing from our own preferences, or our own observations, or our own experiences, we're going to look at God's Word. And specifically, we're going to look at Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17, with the focus on the last two verses, 16 and 17. Now here's the context. Because this was a letter that the man the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Colossae. And it was read to them. And he is wanting to communicate certain things. And the reason, or one of the main reasons Paul wrote this letter was because the church in Colossae was being influenced by false teachers people who were adding things to Christ. And any time you add something to Christ, you take something away. You can't add something to Christ and make Him better. But that's what these teachers were doing. So he wants them to be clear on who Jesus is and what the gospel is. So in chapter 1 and of course he didn't write it with chapters, it was just a letter. But some, somewhere in the, I forget, the 13th century somewhere, we added verses and chapters and I thank God we did because you can know where things are. So in chapter 1, Paul is sharing that Jesus has reconciled a people and really all creation to God through His blood shed on the cross. In other words, we were at odds with God. We were at enmity with Him. We, we were His enemies. But Jesus became the enemy of God on the cross, received our punishment that we deserved, and rose from the dead so that we could be reconciled to God. That's the gospel. Chapter 2, he says, We're to be rooted in Christ. As you are rooted in Christ, so walk in Him. Rooted, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so continue to be rooted in Him, walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him. So it's all about Him. I want to get that better. That was, that was horrible. As you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted, and keep going with Jesus. So he, He's reminding them that, that it's not about a foundation that's being laid, it's about your whole life. Then in chapter 3, He starts out by telling them, look, you've been raised up with Christ. And if you've been raised up with Christ, your life is going to look different. And then in chapter, I'm sorry, in verse 5, he begins to tell them how your life should look different. He says, put to death therefore, since you are this new person, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality. And he goes on to list certain things that you don't want to do anymore because you're in Christ. Why would you live that way? And then we're going to pick it up in verse 12 where he, he says that uh, he, he, is, he is going to talk about specifically what a um, Christian life looks like, what a gospel-centered life looks like in the midst of a pagan culture. Doesn't that sound familiar? That's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing back in Louisville. We're, 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 we're trying to find out what does it look like to, to be Christians in the midst of a culture that, that doesn't want anything to do with us. And we're going to find out that music plays a part in that. Singing plays a part in that. And what we're going to find is that we worship God together in song to deepen the relationships we enjoy through the gospel with God and with each other. If I was going to sum up what I'm going to say, that, that's, that's the heart of what this passage teaches us. We worship God together in song to deepen the relationships we enjoy through the gospel with God and with each other. Singing in the church is meant to be more than a warm-up for the sermon. Or a way of drawing big crowds. A lot of churches use that. It's meant to be more than a highly charged emotional experience. Oh, I'm singing! Or a platform for frustrated musicians who can't get a gig on Saturday night, so they, okay, I'll play in the church. It's meant to deepen our relationships through the gospel. So we're going to read the passage, and then we're going to see what it says to us about why we sing. This is the Word of God. Colossians 3 verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones holy and beloved compassionate hearts kindness, humility, meekness and patience bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful the Father through Him. Father, would You bless the reading and the preaching and the hearing and the obeying of Your Word for the glory of Your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to see three reasons here why God wants us to sing together. Here's the first. To impress the gospel of Christ on our minds. To impress the gospel of Christ on our minds. It says we're to let the word of Christ, in verse 16, we're to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. The word of Christ is not the words that Jesus said, it's, it's the word about Christ. It's the gospel, it's the good news that Jesus, the Son of God, took on human form, lived a perfect life, died as our substitute in our place to receive God's wrath for us, rose from the dead, descended to His Father's right hand and is coming back for His bride one day. That's the word of Christ that is to dwell in us richly. Christ is to be the center of our singing. And Paul uses two words here that we don't often associate with singing. What are we doing when we're singing? Are we just singing? Are we just opening our mouths? And, and, and beautiful tones coming out for some of us and others not so much. <laughs> no, the, the two words Paul uses are teaching and admonishing. Doesn't that sound like a classroom? Or you know, a conversation, I'm admonishing you. Admonishing is to you know, bring exhortation, bring, bring correction. That's what we're doing. It's a mental activity. And it's describing the horizontal element of our singing. We're singing with our hearts to God, but we're teaching and admonishing one another so that the Word of Christ might dwell in us richly. I've had some chocolate chip cookies since I've been here in Australia, and they're good. But they are nothing like the chocolate chip cookies that either my wife or one of my daughters makes on Sunday afternoon. And I will be missing them tomorrow. For them, you know, you know what I mean. <clears throat> because when it's about three or four o'clock, someone, one of the girls would typically say, hey, actually sometimes they don't even say it. You just, they just start making them. And you start smelling them. And you think, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. It's coming. And that smell in itself is wonderful. The, the chocolate, the sugar, the, it, it, just, it's just, it just warms your heart, but not as much as that chocolate chip cookie dwelling in me richly, <laughs> which is what I always aim for and, and accomplish each Sunday. That's what something similar to that is what Paul is saying when he talks about the Word of Christ dwelling in us richly. We, we hear it in a way that it affects what we, how we think and, and what we do. It governs our lives. So, so why the mention of music? Why doesn't Paul just say talk to each other about the word of Christ? Which is important. He says sing about the word of Christ. It may be. And I think it is. Because singing helps us remember and think about words. Yeah. Now, scientists have done studies on this, and they've, they've shown that God made our brains to remember and categorize and recognize patterns in music better than in words alone. Which is why musicals will continue to be written forever. Forever. Because people are aware of that. It's why advertisers will not just tell you things, they will sing to you things. I'm sure there are, there are tunes that sometimes get caught in your head that you can't get out. You say, I hate that, but I keep thinking about it. That's the, that's the power of music. It's why we often remember songs from our teenage years like we learned them yesterday. Uh, it's why my mother-in-law came to a point, she was in a, a nursing home, she had dementia, she, she didn't remember anything about her life but she could start singing songs that she learned in, in her youth. It's the way God makes our brains. It's why in Deuteronomy 31 when the Israelites were on the verge of entering the promised land that Joshua was going to lead them into God told Moses to teach them a song so that, and this is quoting Deuteronomy 31, when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. So God uses music to help us to remember. Singing also helps us meditate on the truths of the gospel by stretching out words. You know, if I said to you, Um, uh, all we have, all we need, all we want is Jesus. That's true. But if we sing, all we have, all we need, all we want is you, it gives us time to think about it and not just rush through it. It gives us time to repeat it. That's why we have choruses. There's There's thoughts that we want to say again and again and again. It is, and we're repeating it even as we do it. It is well, it is well, with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well, with my soul. Now, if I said, now, if I said to you, to you, something like this, something like this, and repeated and repeated everything I said, everything I said, you would think I was weird. I was weird. And I would be. But when we sing it, nobody's going, excuse me, Sorry, this is weird. Why? Because that's what singing does. It, isn't that a gift? It helps us to remember and repeat these words. So singing is meant to impress the gospel of Christ on our minds. That's, that's one of the ways that it enables the word of Christ to dwell on us richly. Now that's different From having musical experiences dwell in us richly, which some churches do, we 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 strive to create a musical vibe, you know, musical atmosphere, a worship atmosphere. You know, we got to get the worship, you know, the lights and the fog machines, and we got to get the experience. That's not what God is saying. He says, "I want the Word of Christ dwelling in you richly." Music all by itself can affect us. Uh, I I remember listening to um, a a Beethoven sonata one time as I was driving along. This was a few years ago. But I remember just crying (laughs) listening to it. It was so beautiful. I'll listen to soundtracks sometimes. I mean, I listen to soundtracks all the time. But I will sometimes listen to them and just all of a sudden be moved for no particular reason other than the fact that the music is beautiful. That's not what we're to do when we get together, though. What's supposed to happen when we get together is the Word of Christ is to dwell in us richly. That's why Paul can say, and God says to us, teach and admonish one another with this. Remind each other. uh, Reflect on these things together. Meditate on these things together. uh, Encourage each other to to remember things. It's not saying that that's the only time in our meeting that teaching and admonishing takes place, because... That's what's happening right now, teaching and admonishing. But it does mean that the words we sing matter. And it does mean that if we're to benefit from singing in the way God intended, that we're going to be really intentional about the words we sing. And we are going to maybe at times sing wordy songs, even if they're not the most popular songs. Why? Because the Word of Christ is, is awesome. It, it, it takes more than a few phrases to, to communicate to us. So that's one of the reasons Psalm Grace Music exists. You know Because we want to see these kinds of songs I- I- in the church. And others are doing it as well. Uh, yeah, others are doing it as well. And uh, we want to be a part of that. But when we come together, it's to our benefit that we focus on the Word of Christ because that's what's meant to be dwelling in us richly both in what we're speaking to others and in what others are speaking to us. And, And it also means that when we sing one of the primary things we're going to be singing about is who Jesus is and what He came to do. That's the Word of Christ dwelling richly in us. And the music isn't meant to overpower or undermine the Word of Christ It's meant to complement it. So that's the first way, first reason God wants us to sing. It impresses the gospel of Christ on our minds. Here's another way. It impresses the gospel of Christ on our hearts. Singing is not just an educational event where we're telling each other truths, reminding each other of things that that are true. It's a heart event. The, The verse doesn't say let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with no emotional engagement. It doesn't say that, does it? It says with what? Thankful. Thankfulness. <laughs> Thankfulness in your hearts. Where? In your hearts to God. Singing is meant to impress the gospel of Christ on our hearts. And that that's. A, an obvious connection because thanksgiving is what flows from thinking about what Jesus Christ has done for us. We can't sing about the word of Christ and not be thankful. And that, that verse might be more accurately translated in grace, singing in your hearts to God. In other words, because you've experienced God's grace, we're going to want to sing in our hearts. Gordon Fee, writes in his large book, God's Empowering Presence. I know it's large because this quote is from page 655. <laughs> Thus the focus is not so much on our attitude toward God as we sing, but on our awareness of His attitude towards us that prompts such singing in the first place. So how does, how does singing work with our hearts? Well, in two ways. It both expresses... And stirs up affections in our hearts for God. It expresses what's there, and then it stirs up something that might not be there in response to the gospel. Singing is, is just a wonderful way of expressing our gratefulness for the grace of God. We do it naturally, you know, um, when we just want to sing at, at some point, and it's just, it, well I'll let John Piper say it. The reason we sing, John Piper theologian, pastor, author, the reason we sing is because there are depths and heights and intensities and kinds of emotions that will not be satisfactorily expressed by mere prosaic forms or even poetic readings. There are realities that demand to break out of prose into poetry. And some demand that poetry be stretched into song. It's not just that we've, you know, we've found a, a, a new coffee that we like and we want to sing about it. Oh, this coffee's so wonderful. Or, or even our good uh, 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 um, relationship. A lot of songs about relationships. And they're appropriate. But there's no relationship like the one we have with God. Which means we should sing the best songs. Yes. But it's not only to express our emotions, our affections. Singing also stirs them up. S- singing, singing affects us. Have you ever, have you ever been and you know, walked into a room, you you haven't, you're just not feeling that great. You know, that maybe something just happened. That um, you just had a bad week, or you had a bad morning, or you're just feeling out of it. And you come in, you hear people singing, and you go, oh, this is true. That's right. I should be thankful. Listen to what Jonathan Edwards says. He was a theologian back in the 1700s who stole him from England. The duty of singing praises to God seems to be given wholly to excite and express religious affections. There's no other reason why we should express ourselves to God in verse rather than in prose and with music except that these things have a tendency to move our affections yeah. that's because music is an emotional language it doesn't speak truth but it makes us feel truth if it's attached to truth so we're we're affect, our, our minds are being affected our hearts are being affected and notice he says singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs what is that well uh, lots of scholars have written on that and the, the reality is we don't know You don't know exactly what that is, but at the very least, it's telling us that the kinds of songs we sing are going to be varied. They're not going to be all, celebrate, 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 or, oh, we're such losers, we're such sinners, life is so hard, why can't I find out what I'm supposed to be doing? There's a variety of songs. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Lyrical and musical diversity, which by extension means that biblical Singing together can be simple or complex. It might be spontaneous or planned. We did both this morning. It could be with a group or alone, with instruments or without. The point is, there's not one style of music that can sufficiently capture the glory of God in Christ or sufficiently communicate the appropriate responses. You can't do it can't be just hymns can't be just modern can't be just traditional can't be just whatever we need there's no official worship music there's no worship style you, you, we shouldn't be saying oh that sounds like worship music we don't know what worship music sounds like it sounds like a lot of things because worship is expressing gratefulness for the grace of god responding to who god has revealed himself to us to be in ways that are appropriate to who He is and what He's done. And we talked about thankfulness, it's with thankfulness in our hearts. Certainly there are many emotions that music helps us express. Awe, trust, peace, sorrow for sin. We see that in the Psalms. But in case you're wondering, Christians are to be characterized by thankfulness. We're to be characterized by joy. I think, well, I'm just not a very joyful person. I say, well, maybe you need to know God better. Because you cannot know Him for who He is and not be thankful. When you realize what Jesus has done for us, you cannot help but be thankful. doesn't mean you're going around like this all the time. I mean, I'm a kind of loud guy. I understand that. And I'm an American, so I mean, they're just... It's just, there are things that are just going to be, I just want to, you know, like that's not what we're talking about. It's, it's, a, it's a joy that, that is not affected by circumstances or by people or by challenges or by trials or difficulties. You know, um, I've known some people with SAD, seasonal affective disorder, which means that it's a real thing. When uh, you know it, when you approach the seasons you're approaching, which thankfully we're not uh, over in America, um, you start to get sad. You know, cloudy days. I just feel sad. Christians have a tool against that. We have a joy that comes from knowing our sins are forgiven. So we sing with unbridled joy of what Christ has done. And heart, the word heart typically in the Bible means our whole being. We're not just singing with our voices. Our whole beings are engaged. Hearts includes what we do with our faces and with our bodies. Now you are are a great example, as I looked out this morning, of those who understand this. Um, God intends to be praised with everything in us. And, uh, you know, some of us can have a problem with that. I, again, we offer these excuses. Well, that's just not me. I, I, don't, I don't do that. I, well, well, I know you don't do that, but, but how well do you know what Jesus has done for you? <laughs> because it's like nothing else. It's like nothing else. Psalm 34, 5 says, Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. So what's in our hearts comes out through our faces, through our bodies. And it's a good question to ask ourselves is, what is my face, what is my body saying about how thankful I am for what God has done to me, for me? Can people see that I'm responding to God's grace? That's what we want to ask. So it's both mind and heart. That's what we've looked at so far. Mind and heart. Singing is God's way of combining objective truth with thankfulness. Doctrine with devotion. Intellect with emotion. Heads and hearts. We don't want to set great truths to dull music or we don't want really powerful music accompanying shallow words. We want both. God intends our singing to impress the gospel both on our minds and our hearts. Number three, we sing together to impress the gospel of Christ on our lives. It's not just about this meeting. Right after Paul talks about singing in verse 16, where does he go? Therefore, put together big orchestras and choirs. Therefore, get degrees in music. There, no, he doesn't go there. He says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks, there it is again, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul follows up a focus on singing with a focus on living. They're meant to be connected. He makes it clear that the word of Christ isn't something we're just supposed to sing about. We're to live in light of it. We're to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So how does singing help us do that? How does singing impress, how is it meant to impress the gospel of Christ on our lives? Well f- well, first, singing deepens our unity in Christ. Do you, don't you feel that when you sing? It's like we're all singing this together. I mean it's good and right to sing on our own but God wants us to sing together because singing helps express the unity we have in the gospel. I love being the Worship Matters Intensive this week, you know. We've we got Americans, we got Japanese, we got Filipino, we got Australians and maybe some others in there, I don't know. But we're all together, not because of our nationality but because we're in Christ. And I, I you know, love the being here and just seeing people from so many nations. It's just such a, such a delight. You get to express that what brings us together is not our preferences, not that we, we're the same age, not that we have the same social demographic, but because Christ has destroyed the dividing wall that once separated us. And so we sing together to express that unity. And, and uh, I won't bring that up. Um, as one person said, <laughs> private acts of public worship are a contradiction in terms. Private acts of public worship. You know, I am going to bring it up. I just, I, maybe, maybe it was the Spirit. We'll find out. Um, yeah, we have talked about the, the, uh, the culture church culture in, in Australia, maybe Sydney, of you know, different meetings for different age groups. And I get that. I think it undermines the gospel. I think over time it undermines the gospel. Apart, not to mention separating families. But the most important thing is that we want to be multi-generational. We want to have 5-year-olds and 15-year-olds and 25-year-olds, and 35-year-olds, and 45-year-olds, and 55, and 65, and 75-year-olds, all in the same place, singing the glories and mercies of our God in Jesus Christ. And I think that you all, this church... And churches like this can be a testimony to that, that yeah. we're going to fight against this. We're going we're to press on to, to proclaim through our life together, shared together, that Jesus has made us one. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, all right. S- here's another reason that singing leads to a life built around the gospel. Singing reminds us of what life is all about, Jesus Christ. We don't come and sing about how we feel. We don't come and sing about the weather. We don't come sing about... You know what we happen to be going through? We sing about Jesus Christ. So we sing songs like, "When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within," I mean you might be feeling that right now, but you're sure going to feel it this week sometime. Yeah. And so we remind each other, "Hey, upward look and see him there who made an end of all our sins." Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. Singing reminds us that our suffering is never wasted. It has a purpose and meaning. No guilt. These aren't just powerful songs. Oh, don't you just love singing together? Yes, I love singing together. But what we are teaching and admonishing with helps us live for the glory of Christ. No guilt in life no fear in death. Really? This is the power of Christ in me from life's first cry to final breath. That pretty much sums it up. Jesus commands my destiny. And some of the finest lines ever written in a modern hymn, no power of hell, (laughs) no scheme of man can ever pluck me from His hand. Ever? Ever. Ever. Ever! Come back stronger. Never, ever, ever, ever can pluck me from His hand. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why we sing these songs. Fighting a, a battle with sin can't overcome it? Well, let's remind ourselves. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me, whom the sun sets free. Oh, is free, indeed. Oh man, I could just break into song right now. We're gonna sing in just a moment. Got one more point, and not a point, is a subpoint. Okay, uh, singing builds, reminds us of our unity, reminds us what life is about, and then singing together prepares us for the life to come. Saying something about what we're headed for. It's one of the clearest pictures, foretastes of the powerful, glorious, unending songs being sung around the throne. Our singing reflects that song. But we're limited now. We're limited in time, we're limited in understanding, we're limited in strength. You know, this meeting's gonna end. One day it won't. One day the meeting won't have to end. We're limited in our understanding. We don't, there's a lot we don't know. When we see him, we will become like him, for we will see him as he truly is. Our minds will understand God in Christ better than we ever have, and we will continue to get to know him forever wow. and ever and ever. And we'll have more strength. Yes. You know, we won't get tired of singing. My voice is a little weak right now. New heavens and new earth, it won't grow weak. What will it be like? We hear songs, sing songs that like we've never heard and sung before. You know, some people, sometimes people say, I think we're going to be singing that song in heaven. I think, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe it'll be some like, semblance of it, but there are going to be better songs. Better songs. We don't know exactly what it will be like, but we know that every time we sing, it's a preparation preparation for the day when we will behold the Savior who redeemed us face to face. And we will look back and we will wonder how in the world could our singing be so restrained? (laughs) Or so infrequent? (laughs) Or so apathetic? Or so unfocused? We'll just say how in the world do we sing like that? Worshipping God in song together isn't just a nice idea intended for musically gifted people. The question isn't, did God give me a voice? The question is, did God give me a song? And if you have trusted in Jesus Christ that His life was lived for you, His perfect life, that His death was for your sins, that He fully paid the price of your debt to God he fully received God's punishment for your sins and that he rose from the dead and that you belong to God, well then God has given you a song to sing. Not only here, not only in this life, but forever. And what a joy to prepare for that time every time we gather. Let's pray. Mm. Father, we thank You that You have given us a song to sing and I pray for any here who would not know that song and would not realize what You have done, that You would open their eyes to see the glory, Your glory in Jesus Christ and how our only hope and the only reason we would have a song to sing is because of what you have done to reconcile us to yourself. And for those who know that we are reconciled to you, may our songs be loud, may they be passionate, may they be engaged, may they be thoughtful, may they be unifying, may they bring glory to your name. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.